Everyone good to go? All right, Acts chapter number 13. Acts chapter 13. Starting the next chapter here, Acts chapter 13. I'll give you a couple quick announcements, and then we will get into the message. Um, on Wednesday, we're going through the book of Revelation and having our uh, prayer meeting at 515, Bible study at 630. Senior lunch is this Thursday at Applebee's at 1130. And then the, I am taking some teens to a youth rally on Saturday. It was the last minute thing I heard about. I'm still taking those that want to go this coming Saturday. And then um, if you ladies weren't here today and you were at the ladies' conference, um, they're going to be sending um, a – Jennifer wanted to take something with her but wasn't able to. So she's going to – Caroline's going to send it to her. We're going to mail it there and probably charge as much as to mail the thing as it was to fly down. Probably not. I'm just kidding. But um, in that pack, she wanted to um, – if, you know, if the Lord spoke to your heart through something that was spoken during that time. And it took a lot. You don't realize it took a lot for her to f- come here and do what she did with her health. It was a sacrifice. And I don't—who knows if she even made it to her own church today with her health after doing it. And so I think it would be a blessing to her for you to thank her and do that in a note and things. And then just get here in the next week, right? Something like that. So, all right. Acts chapter number 13 tonight. Acts chapter 13. We're going to look at missions tonight and see the first missionaries as we look here. And in fact, there were other people that went out two by two in Jesus' day too. But in all reality, the idea behind missions comes from this passage of Scripture. So Acts 13, verse number 1, the Bible says, Now there was in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simon that was called Niger, and Lucius the um Cyrene and Manaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work wherein I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucus, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister, um, John, Mark, um, John Mark there. And, so, and when they had gone through the isle of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the, of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who had called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elimus, Elimus, a lot of names tonight, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from, faith, from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, sent his eye, set his eyes on him and said, O fool of all subtlety and mischief, thou child of the devil. Wow, you talk about being a little rough right there, huh? Just read what it says there. O fool of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou cease to pervert the right way of the Lord? He just lets it all out. And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee. 
and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Quite a bit going on in a few verses tonight. Now we're going to dive in tonight. We're going to look at God's plan for missions. And I will have people sometimes ask me, Pastor, why do we only support certain type of missionaries? Why don't we support this or that? And I'm going to give you some reasons tonight as we get into the message a little bit here at the beginning and just some thoughts as we go through. So let's have a word of prayer together and we'll dive in tonight. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your love, for your mercy, and for your grace. We thank and the fact that we can study your word and that we can use it and grow in it. And I pray that you'd help us tonight as we look at this passage of scripture, that we would take it and apply it to our lives and our hearts. We love you. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll notice there's kind of a turning point in the book of Acts in the last chapter. It was everything was out of the church of Jerusalem. But we see that the shift now goes to the church at Antioch. And so as we look here at the very beginning, verse number one, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, and it goes through a list of some people. And so you got to understand that this church in Antioch, God used it. It was a focal point, and God used it to help spread the gospel. I want you to understand something tonight. The goal and job of a church is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our job. I don't know, you look in the Bibles, we look in the book of Acts, it is very clear that it is God's plan for his church to get the gospel to the lost. When a church doesn't share the gospel and spread the gospel, a church is not doing what God's commissioned us to do. Never once does it say, and just I'm just throwing out a couple things, and this isn't anything bad in the way, but God never said to have a ladies' conference. He never said to have a Wednesday night Bible study in a church. You're not a church unless you have a Wednesday night Bible study. You're not a church unless you have an evening service. You're not a church unless you have a Sunday school and then a morning service. If that was the case, we'd be in trouble, right? If it did say that, and we wouldn't do it the way that we do it. But if you look real close when it comes to a church, if a church is not sharing the gospel and spreading the gospel, a church is not doing what God commissioned the church to do. That is God's plan for the church. And may I just remind you tonight, we as God's people, we've got to understand, if we're going to spread the gospel around the world, we better be shining that light bright here. We can't expect to get the light bright around this world if we're not doing it in our own neighborhood. If we're not witnessing to our family members, if we're not witnessing to our coworkers, our neighbors. Before we worry about Africa, them getting the gospel, we need to worry about us doing our job. And I know some people say, well, I give to missions, that's good enough. That's a good thing. And the Bible commends people for giving towards missions. And Paul and his missionary journeys, and we'll maybe talk about that later on at some point. But I want you to understand, we have to be faithful today, here. This church was doing the work of God. This church was growing. There's lots of things about this church. I want to give you a few thoughts tonight. Number one, as we dive into our outline, missions begins with the church. That's where it begins. Missions begins with the church. You look there in verse number one there. You see how it says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, which was also brought up with Herod. And they ministered to the Lord 
They were serving. They fasted. And um, something I want you to see right there. I think that we, in, in our day and age that we live and in our churches, we do not do a good job at teaching what biblical fasting truly is. I feel like the church I, churches I grew up in, the college I went to, I was taught that you fast when you want God to do something. So you're going to have a ladies' conference. I'm going to fast so God will bless that ladies' conference. If you view fasting that you get blessings from God by fasting, you're really no different than rubbing a magic lamp and trying to get your wishes. And so you're just starving yourself in the process. Fasting has nothing to do with you getting God to do what you want God to do. Fasting is about letting God get you. That's what the key to fasting is. Fast, and fasting, we look at, fasting would be skipping a meal a day. Jesus did 40 days. I suggest if you try to do 40 days, make sure you at least drink some water or something. Don't do that. And then some of you that are sick, you shouldn't even try to do it at all. But what it does, it shows the Lord it's denying yourself. Do you realize there are times that one of the best things you can do in your life is just deny yourself? You, we all have desires and things that we want. When's the last time you just told yourself no? It's not fun. It's really not. I don't enjoy telling myself no. Michael had a nice Dr. Pepper sitting back there tempting his pastor tonight. And I, you can have that zero stuff all day long, and it does not satisfy like one regular Dr. Pepper would. John, you know what I'm talking about. I see that look there. And I think Gary would agree with the Dr. Pepper statement too. I don't see Gary eat, drinking the diet ones, but I do see him doing the generic ones. And I don't even think I can do the generic ones. So that's good though. At the price things are, go with the generic if you can. But there are times that I literally have to say no. Before the weight loss, when it came to food things, I honestly didn't say, if I desired, if I had a long day and I wanted a bowl of ice cream, I would have it. Today I was very tough on myself in what I ate today, right? There are times you just have to say no to yourself. And it is good to learn to say no. That's what fasting is all about because what you're doing is you are putting self down. Because we all have desires. And sometimes our desires want to be greater than God's desires. Do you realize God has desires for us? God has a plan and a purpose for us. We look at this passage. These people, these, these, this group here, they were praying and fasting. They had their eyes on the Lord. And we see that the Lord showed them what they needed to do. They were ready for God. They were, that's so, you understand, when it comes to fasting, fasting is not what you get from God. It's you being able to let God, let God get your attention. If you think of fasting and praying is all about you getting your will from God, you got it all wrong. Praying and fasting should be about God's will being done here on earth and us wanting what God wants. That's biblical. And so we would do good to fast and do things God's way. As we look at our notes here, we see, number one, the fact that the, the missions begins with the church. Now, we've talked about the church in the past, and it says here it calls the church at Antioch. What is a church? Letter A, we see that a church, an ecclesia, it's a called out assembly. What is it? What is a called out assembly? What are we called out of the world? 
So the fact that we come out of the world and come here as an assembly together, that's what a church is. This building is not a church. Do you realize that tonight? The ecclesia is the assembly, the people of the church. You see, we could go meet on the grass tonight. And that grass looks nice. Although it's already starting. You see where those kids have put their feet on it already. But it's still, it's still doing okay. We could be out there having church on the grass, and that's church. Because church is where God's people are gathered. You don't have to have the building for it. A church is a called-out assembly. And when we think about this church there in Antioch, we see letter B, the fact that this church, it was a growing church. And this church, they had prophets, they had teachers, and I believe that that's God's design for a church. I am, I am under the impression as I read the Bible too that God wants there to be, I know that God might put in a church, he gives you a senior pastor, a lead pastor, but I also see that there were other prophets, other preachers, there were other teachers, not just one in the church. You see that there? I think that's a good biblical model you see there. And uh, when you look at that there, and um, look at what it says. It says they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and these things happened. They were a growing church. They were reaching people. They were ministering, serving the Lord. They were doing what God called them to do. Think about what the Bible tells us in Acts chapter number 11 about this church, verse 22 through 26. It says, Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church that was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all. And with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarshish for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves at the church and taught much people. And the disciples, the followers of the Lord, were called Christians first in Antioch. This is the beginning roots of this church here. I don't know if you noticed something as we looked at this. Did you see that the church in Jerusalem sent people to help the church in Antioch? God works through the church. That is God's institution. You might look and say, I've had people say, what type of a Baptist are we? We are independent Baptists is what we are. Say, why are we independent? Because we don't believe there should be any denominational head over a church. In the Bible, there was no denominational head. There were churches that helped other churches out. That is a biblical pattern. And so when you have out, and, this, and that's where it comes down to major decisions in a church. The body, the local body makes those decisions. I know a, a friend of mine pastors here in town a different denomination of church, and he's getting ready to retire soon. And the denominational head, they have a regional rep for this area. He will choose the next pastor for that church. The church will get no say in it. And how are you going to really know if a guy is a good fit for a church or not when someone who's never been in that church tells them who their pastor is going to be? There's reasons behind things. And God works through the church. The church is important. And we need to understand those things. And we think about, it says here that they ministered. You had these prophets and teachers. Why does God give us prophets and teachers? And we don't have prophets that foretell the future today. And when I talk about prophets today, it's preaching the word of God. 
Acts chapter number 4, verse 11 and 12 tells us, and, they, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Why does God give you a pastor? Why does God give you leaders to help you grow? And if your leader's not helping you grow, you might need to find a new leader, a new pastor. You need to be growing. And we've got to be doing what God's called us to do. We see this was a growing church. They were doing the work of God. They were moving forward. They prayed. You see, it says they fasted, and look what the Holy Ghost did. Verse 3 says, And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them. And as we look here, we see that this was a church doing the important things. When we think about that, it leads to number two tonight. We see the calling of missionaries. The calling of missionaries. I don't, did you notice that the missionaries were called out of a local church? We, and a practice that I have, and you might feel differently, and that's totally fine if you feel differently. I want to know what church a missionary is out of. If they're not out of a church, they need to be out of a church. Say, why? That's what the Bible says. It's the pattern. It is the, it's a good way to have it. When you have free agents, free roaming, doing their own thing, you get into a lot of trouble that way. And we, we got to be very careful. And we are very, uh, most of the ministries that we support all have a local church heading it up. And it goes through a local church. And so as we look at the calling, let's look at the calling here. Look at verse 2 and 3 again. As they ministered, you see, as they're serving God, as they're doing the work, and as they fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And just as we look right here, we see the fact that they, the calling of missionaries, first of all, these missionaries, they were called by the Holy Spirit. I am a firm believer, and you hear when we have a missionary come in, and when I um, get their testimony and things for all of us and things like that, I will ask, when were you called? You say, Pastor, do you think that you need to be called? I do. You might feel differently. I feel a pastor should be called of God. Because there are going to be days that if you're not, and say, well, what if I just volunteer? It's great to volunteer for the Lord. And there is that song, as a volunteer for Jesus, a soldier true. Others have enlisted. Why not you? And that's an awesome thing. But I think that when it comes to a calling of God for a missionary, or for a, I think you need a calling from God. Because there are going to be those tough days, there's going to be those days, and the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, the Bible says. I know the day I was called the pastor. I'm as sure as I'm standing here before you today. And as we look at this first group of missionaries, the Holy Spirit of God called them. That's what we see. Do you see that there? The Holy Spirit did. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Do you see how that's how it works? The Holy Spirit guided them, directed them. Do you know God still calls people today? He does. And young people, most of our young people are in class tonight. They're not in here. But some of our young people that are in here tonight, you be sensitive to God's call. You be listening for God's call. 
And God does still call today. The problem is I think we're so busy and so focused on everything else, we don't hear the Lord. We think about Samuel. Here, here, here I am, Eli, what do you need? I didn't call you, go back to bed. Third time, it's probably the Lord. If the Lord does that again, just to say, here, here, Lord, I am. And Samuel, here am I, Lord. You know, how are we going to reach this world? We need more pastors. We need more missionaries. We need young people to be called of God. I cannot make a kid be called of God. And sometimes we run into that problem as well. We in our churches will force kids to do ministry. They need to do what God calls them to do. And not every kid is called to ministry. But if God does call a kid to ministry, you better get out of the way and let them do what God's called them to do. Do you know that some of the best Christians in that church in Antioch are the ones that the Holy Spirit said, send them out? They could have had Paul staying there and Barnabas. And God, the Holy Spirit says, no, those are the ones I've called. Send them. I'm sure they were some of the best teachers and the best. The son of consolation, the, he's basically the comforter himself. Barnabas. Everyone probably would take their problems to Barnabas. They just loved to talk to Barnabas. He was just that guy. And okay, you need to leave now. What we, and this is a problem I see in churches today too. We like to hoard. You look at a lot of, our, of the bigger churches out there. All the talent and all the people are there because there's money there. And we hoard all these people. And then there's a lot of churches that need people that don't have people because of things like that. We need to be sensitive to the Spirit's calling. And if God calls you to a bigger church and those things, I think, like I look at Marquise and Jay, I would have loved for them to stay here. Jay needed a change of scenery, and he needed to be someplace else. And God opened that door perfectly for him. I think it's awesome that God opened that for him. Marquise is thriving. On May 10th, a Wednesday night, Marquise will be doing the Bible study that night. I'm going to my niece's graduation, uh, her college graduation up in Santa Clara. And so Marquise will be here that Wednesday night. He's doing an awesome job, and God's using him in a great way. And I believe God called them there. God will take people and call them from a smaller ministry to big ministries. But we got to be very careful that we don't hoard them in certain places and not let them go everywhere. That's why as our young people grow up and as they serve the Lord, we need to make sure— it would be awesome, you know, Johnny's getting ready to graduate. It would be awesome for him to stay around here for a long time. But what, he needs to do whatever God calls him to do. He needs to follow God's leading. But you see, they were Holy Spirit called, and we need that today. It is so important, and I still believe the Spirit of God calls people today. And parents, let's do a good job, and I am no expert, and I don't have it figured out at all, Let's do a good job of getting our kids to where they will listen to God and do what God wants. My parents did a pretty good job on that one. And my mom is crazy when it comes to protection and all the craziness in the world. She is, but she was willing, and she's got a son that lives in the Philippines a lot of time. That's probably why her health is the way it is now, knowing her. It probably is. And I, but I told her a while back, she was, uh, we were teasing about something. She's like, because with her mind at times now, she forgets things. And so she was t- we were just talking. She's like, I miss my Chris. I'm like, you have your best son, Brian, right here. Why do you need Chris? And Chris is my younger brother. 
And I said, he's a missionary. I know, I know. I said, it's your own fault. You told God that he could have your kids if you let you have more kids. So just blame yourself he's in the Philippines. And we tease about that, but that they wanted their kids to do whatever God wanted. And with my mom the way she is, that's amazing that she would do that. So I think that all of you in this room, including myself, we should let our kids do what God calls them to do. And make sure I don't, you know, I don't put a plug in any of my kids, and they're not in here so I can talk about them for a minute. I do not put a plug in my kids' ears to go into ministry. I want them to see in my life that ministry is fun and ministry is awesome, and I would love God to call one of them or all of them. I think Alyssa really would if the Lord would let her. And I don't think that one's going to happen, but I think Alyssa would be the— you know it's true. You know it's true. She just tells it like it is. I'm like, that'll preach. She really could. And then she's got the sensitive heart at times. She's, she's got it all together. But anyways— I don't tell, I have not told one of them, you should go in ministry. I want them just to listen for God and just to do what God wants. And what I teach them is God's will is what's most important. And whatever God's will is, you do God's will. If God's will is you drive a trash truck and you teach a Sunday school class, do it. And you will do an awesome job with it and it will be a great thing. If God calls you to be a missionary far away, don't let it be my daughter, but the boys, okay, go ahead and then go far away and things like that. And I tease when I say that, but we need to get them to be sensitive to God's calling. The closer we get to the Lord coming, God is still calling people, but fewer and fewer are answering that call. And you know it's true. Those of you that have been in church a long time, you would hear years ago a lot of people being called and called. You don't hear much anymore. And I believe part of it is we've kind of tuned our ears out to God. And I think parents are the biggest problem. We have our desires and our plans for our kids. And do you realize they're not yours? They are God's. They belong to him. He gives them to us to help train for him. And we need to remember that. And we need them to do what God wants them to do, whatever that is, even if that's a hard thing. And I pray that I have a good attitude with whatever God wants our kids to do. These missionaries were called. They were Holy Spirit called and let her be. They were local church sent. They were local church sent. As you look there, you see that, and you see how the, the sending, first sending agency of missionaries was the local church. It says, and when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Now, as you think about this and you think about them laying on hands, what does that mean? They laid their hands on them. What, it was a united thing. It was the church was behind them doing what the Spirit of God told them to do. And, it's, and we see it's a biblical thing. And, so, and sometimes people take these verses about that and talk about ordination and things. And that we can talk more about that maybe some other time. But as we look at this, we see that the church is where mission started. We see that the calling of these missionaries, they were called by the Holy Spirit of God. They were local church sent. And thirdly tonight, we see their first journey. What they did. And I know today we do things differently than this. Paul and Barnabas didn't go on two years on deputation to raise money before they did their missionary journey. But churches and people did send them money to do anything in this world back then or today, money is involved. 
And so what did this first missionary journey look like? Let's look. Let's read verse, let's look here again. We see in verse number four, it says, So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed. Do you see number one is or letter A? They departed as a team. They went together. I, I've seen a lot of different missionaries and a lot of different groups go to a lot of different places. And I will say I've seen it a lot more. It looks a lot more successful. I'll give you an example. We support my, um, my brother-in-law, Charles. And Charles and Lindsay Osgood, they were here a while back. They went on a team to Ghana, West Africa. Four or five families went together and they started the work together. And it's really bloomed and done very well. And I think it helped incur, you know, you go from the United States to Ghana, West Africa, it's a culture shock. And, but going together, it really helped bring them together. And I think that God kind of designed, you see, they went. God didn't send them by themselves. And that's where I, we see a lot more today, and I don't know if we just got away from it, now people are going back to this. Of, and, I, and there are some missionaries, they go to a place all by themselves, and God's hand is all over it. So I'm never going to tell someone, don't go by yourself somewhere, because God with you is someone, right? You and God can be a team if that's what God wants. You need to do it however God wants you to do it. But I think a team is good. And I think it's good not to do things alone. And isn't that what Jesus did? Mark 6, verse number 7. And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them power over unclean spirits. He sent them out in twos. Twos are better. Teams are better. It's just like our officers. Um, if you've noticed, there have been a few in the past couple months in River, Riverside County sheriffs that have died and been shot. The common theme with those that have died and been shot they were on the spot alone. The last two for sure, they were alone. Like Chino, there's a rule, you cannot, if it's, if it's something, a life or death, and you're trying to, you gotta go do that. But unless it's that, you wait till you have someone else there. Because two, two sets of eyes are better than one. In ministry, it is a lot better to do it as a team. And that's why, I don't know if you noticed in our classes, no one has a class to themselves. They have a helper in that class. It's better that way. I think God designed it that way. It's a good way to do it. We see, though, that this first missionary journey, they departed as a team. We see this here. And what do we see right away? We see as they were preaching these things, and when they had gone out, what they find? Verse 6, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. And do you see what, they, what happened? What did they encounter? Letter B. They encountered satanic opposition. As you do God's work, you're going to encounter Satan at work. It's going to happen. And as this missionary duo and as this team, this trio really, when this trio is going out, they are preaching the word, and then we see there's opposition right away. Satan hates the work of God. He always has, he always will, and he hates it. And there will always be an attack in some way, some some form. And we see that here with the sorcerer and things and these things taking place. And it talks about, the, and there were several of them, but we see this guy, Elamus the sorcerer in verse 8. For so was his name by interpretation withstood them, seeking to turn them away, to turn away the deputy from the faith. Do you see how the, how the sorcerer here 
the satanic influence was trying to keep the deputy, Sergius Paulus, from getting saved? You see that right there? He was trying to keep him from the faith. The satanic opposition. That happens all over the place. Week in and week out. And as we look at this, we see this, and we see the fact that this happens, but what happens, let her see, you see that they experience the power of God. I, I mentioned already what Paul said, and man, he let him have it. He went at it there. And sometimes, Pastor, you're rough. I'm not rough like that. That's beyond anything I've ever said to somebody. Maybe someday I'll say something. I don't know. That's pretty rough there. And we see that he goes blind, and we see these things happen. And then what do we see happen lastly? Letter D. They reach their first soul. And who did they reach? The deputy. Remember how the sorcerer was trying to keep the deputy from the faith? Well, the deputy saw the power of God, and when he saw what was done, believed and became astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Satan can't defeat the gospel. He can't. Do you also see, and as we close and as we get ready to be done here in just a minute, do you notice how, the, uh, how what the missionaries did? They took the gospel. A missionary, and don't, don't get mad if I say this. I hear people often, we should take missions trips and take humanitarian aid to this place and that. That's not, that's not missions. Missions is the gospel. If we can get people food and do that as we give the gospel, that's a good, great, and wonderful thing. But a missionary takes the gospel. That's what a missionary does. Now you might be, and I've seen there are medical missionaries. That's a pretty neat way looking at that and how that works where they, through the medical field, give the gospel though. They're still a missionary. You'll see in China and things where you can't go in as a missionary. They are English teachers in a school. But they're missionaries because they're giving the gospel. Missionaries give the gospel. You're not a missionary if the gospel's not being given. I check, I keep up on our missionaries. I'm not one of those where our missionaries need to have thousands of people saved every week. Because the ones who say they have thousands saved every week probably don't. I'll leave that there, that little thought there. But if they're not actively witnessing, and I don't see in the mission letters and things that they've talked to so-and-so or witnessed at some point, what, that's the job of missionaries, to get the gospel. And you say, well, why is it the missionary's job to get the gospel where they go? Because we're seeing the pattern developed in the Word of God. If we call ourselves Bible-believing Christians, then when it comes to missionaries, we see the fact that they are called out of local churches. The Holy Spirit calls them. They go do the Lord's work, and they reach souls. And we see that Paul, he has three different journeys he goes on. There's lots that we'll say as we continue on, but we just see a pattern being developed. And thank God for those that go and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and how important it is for us to spread God's word and spread it. They went as a team. They had John Mark go with them, and later on we know that John Mark, when it got tough, he went back home. And sometimes we look and like, why did John Mark go back home, that loser? Paul did say later on how profitable he was. And sometimes we don't give people enough chances. We decide to be the jury and hang them 
and not let God take care of things. Got to be very careful with those things. And I'm glad that Barnabas didn't give up on John Mark. Paul did. But Paul even recognized at the end, hey, he's still profitable. And people are not going to be perfect. They're going to mess up. And if we were in John Mark's shoes and all that takes place, who knows if we would even win in the first place. But he went, he went back, and then we'll see later on how he goes back out again. Father.